Welcome back, you gorgeous humans. This is the Mind Body Mentor Podcast. My name is Stephen Jaggers, and I am your host. On today's very thought-provoking episode, I sit down with Melissa Stangle from Soltara Healing Center in Costa Rica. And it has been such a uh, blessing to watch her evolution with Soltara. And, you know, we go back to, I, I first met her at the MAPS Psychedelic Science Conference in 2017 in Oakland, California, uh, before they had even started Soltara. And to see the evolution that they have made in bringing this medicine to the public and yeah just what they are creating in general has been um, an absolute inspiration uh, i think you guys are going to really enjoy this episode as always uh, if you want to leave me a five-star review that helps this podcast grow so much um, i read all of the reviews and it really just lights up my little heart so thank you very much uh, if you want to support the podcast uh, this podcast is sponsored by Organifi. Uh, use the code MindBodyMentor for 15% off at checkout. Uh, these, these are products that I use almost every day. I use the green juice uh, in the morning uh, to break my fast. You know, it's very alkalizing and detoxifying. I use the red juice uh, for a pre-workout. I've also been using the red juice as a marinade for my steaks. <laughs> uh, yeah, and um, it's incredibly delicious. I know Ben Greenfield has the uh, the recipe for that, so check out his website for that. Um, and I use the gold in the evening uh, before I go to sleep. It's very anti-inflammatory, filled with uh, medicinal mushrooms such as reishi and uh, also high amounts of very uh, potent turmeric. So, yeah, use the code MindBodyMentor for 15% off there. And uh, without further ado, enjoy this uninterrupted podcast with Melissa Stangle. Thank you so much. All right, we are good to go. I am here with Melissa Stangle. Is that, is that how you say your last name? It is, yes. It's German. They always Perfect. say, do you want to buy a vowel? But no, <laughs> just ends with a GL. <laughs> mm. So such a pleasure having you on, Melissa. Thank you for joining me all the way in Costa Rica at the beautiful Soltara, which I have not been able to make it out there yet, um, but I definitely am going to here soon. Well, thanks, um, Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's been such an honor to watch um, the process unfolds, uh, with you and <laughs> coming back from our meeting at, uh, the psychedelic science conference in 2017, um, in Oakland. Wow. It's been such a, <laughs> such, such a blessing to watch you really take the hero's journey. And I'm sure it's been ups and downs and making it through COVID and just, <laughs> just, feels like lifetimes away that psychedelic science conference mm. it was it was, was definitely the the starting point though certainly an inflection point for a lot of what's come after that um, for both of us it sounds like 
Absolutely. It was absolutely an activation for me. And just being able to, you know, witness through social media or, or, or whatever it is, it's been, yeah, such an honor to watch your own growth. And yeah, so before, before Soltara, you guys were in Peru, correct? Yeah. Yeah, we were working at a center. My business partner, Dan, who co-founded Soltara with me, had his own center in Peru, um, which I was privileged enough to work at for about a year and a half um, since 2015 there. And yeah, that was definitely that was definitely a catalyst for for everything that came after with Soltara and, and really wanting to be a participant in the movement, um, getting to just be in the jungle in the Amazon, working with Shipibo communities and healers and the plants was um, definitely not on my list of life experiences that I anticipated having happened. But um, yeah, thanks to Dan, that, that, uh, that was a bit of a tangential point in my life. So um, mm. yeah, it was wonderful to, to live in Peru for some time. Yeah. So have you noticed a difference because, you know, this medicine ayahuasca is native to South America. Have you seen any like detriments to bringing it to Costa Rica and offering it there? Hmm. Um, I would say that, you know, it's definitely a different experience. Um, Peru is always going to have a piece of my heart dance as well. Um, you know, it, I do encourage people who are, interested in wanting to make the pilgrimage down to the Amazon to do that because, you know, that's where my roots come from with this medicine. That's where the roots of this medicine come from. Um, and so it is, it is, there's something to be said, right. For being able to, um, to honor those roots and go to Peru or, or Colombia or Ecuador, you know, the Amazon in general um, to be able to work with this medicine there uh, bringing it out of Peru um, was something that we really felt called to do for a number of reasons. But one thing that I think has been a really beautiful um, gift in being able to uh, work with Shipibo healers outside of Peru and have this place in Costa Rica um, is that it is a bit of a bridge for people. So people who maybe don't necessarily have the capacity or desire or, um, you know, just maybe don't want to go all the way into the Amazon jungle and really do that intrepid pilgrimage. Um, you know, this is kind of a way where um, they can have a, a, a setting that maybe is a little bit more um, easier to get to a little more accessible, a little more comfortable, um, but still within the realm of the ceremony, we, really do our best to be um, guided by the Shipibo tradition that we work with. And, and everyone that works for us really does come um, from working in various centers in Peru or from living in Peru. So, um, you know, our hearts are definitely there and connected to that. And um, Costa Rica is just one of the most beautiful countries that I've ever had the privilege of, of living in. And so, um, you know, something that we really love about this place is that I feel like the country as a whole embodies the lessons of the medicine so they're mm. very in tune with nature they're really sustainable they're run entirely or 99.9 percent on renewable energy they're going to be carbon um 
carbon zeroed and plastic free by 2021 or 2022. So they're just like, wow. it just feels like a really, uh, the land feels very in alignment, the people with the medicine work. And, um, and then of course we get to spoil the healers with, uh, being able to be right next to the ocean and <laughs> have a beach mm. here and things like that too. So it looks so incredibly beautiful there. Um, <laughs> no complaints for sure. Yeah. No complaints. Have you, have you been to the States recently at all or have you just been just solely delving into the Costa Rican life? Yeah, I, um, I think it was over a year ago now. Um, but I've been in Costa Rica. We quarantined here um, we actually had the whole team trapped here plus four healers for about seven months. Um, and so it's definitely been like, we've hunkered down here and it's, it's, you know, I, I'm definitely feeling like lucky that I got to quarantine here. Um, you know, but of course we do have a lot of people coming from the States. I have family in the States. And so I, I just kind of get the peripheral news and I've obviously been keeping an eye on it for Soltara as well. Um, seems like it's a little bit chaotic up there. <laughs> yeah. You know, I feel like I'm kind of in a bubble here in Sedona as well too. It's, it's uh it's not so bad here. Um, oh, that's good. Yeah. But I, yeah, I imagine that Costa Rica is probably a pretty beautiful place to quarantine and not bad real estate there. I've also been really impressed with how well they've handled the virus um, here mm. in general. They've, you know, everybody, it's definitely more of like a socially conscious, socialist minded kind of country. Everyone, mm-hmm. um, you know, is really uh, oriented to the collective and community. And, you know, they believe that the government is really looking out for them and, you know, has their best interests in mind. It's definitely more of a, um, uh, socialist style country. I mean, they don't even have an army here. Um, so, wow. you know, they've, they've implemented rules and lockdowns and people follow them. And they've also really done a good job trying to balance um, bringing tourism back because that's a huge vital part of their economy. And um, so, you know, as of November, they've begun to, they began to open the borders actually starting in August, they began to slowly open the borders. And then um November, they just opened them entirely with some, some, you know, regulations to be able to enter. But um, it's definitely, you know, it's one of the best medical systems in all of Latin America. And um, overall, I think we've got like less COVID cases per day than like the city of Philadelphia by a large amount. Mm. Kind of thing. So yeah, definitely, definitely really happy that, you know, Costa Rica has been okay, relatively. That is absolutely amazing. Wow. I didn't know those things about Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely got to make it out there. I have a few friends living out there as well. Um, but so have you guys reopened fully yet? And how has that, like, how was it making it through quarantine? I know it must have been rough. Like, did you guys like yeah. foresee closing down? Like what, what were you guys going through as a business? Yeah, I know it was, I mean, it was all so sudden. It was within the span of days in March um, that, you know, we were like, oh, wow, okay, this looks like it's starting to get kind of serious. And then, okay, well, maybe we'll be able to like finish the month out before things start happening. And then like the 24 hours later, it was like, oh, no, like we can't even do that. And then 24 hours later, it was like all borders were shut and we were all trapped like 
I'm, I'm actually, it was a really interesting synchronicity because it was the one week in three months, the one week we did not have any guests there. And that was the week that they shut the borders. And if it had been a week earlier or a week later, we would have had, you know, 20 people trapped there with us for who knows how long. It was a very interesting timing that, um, you know, we had four healers there because it was our like week off and and two of the maestros of the two healers we were working with um, came up to do a deep energetic cleaning. So they were um, just supposed to be there for a week. And now they're actually working here. Like they're part of our team, their family now, like (laughs) it all ended up working out, but um, no, it happened so quickly. And then, you know, we're, we're a small business. Um, and I think it kind of has become very obvious that, um, small businesses Mm. have not fared so well in this, in this pandemic. And, um, you know, we're fortunate enough that we, again, had it happened like a month earlier, I'm not sure we would have survived. We were really just getting to the point where we were starting to, um, like dig ourselves out of the startup hole because, we were just over two years old, you know, a lot of investment went into um, Soltara and, you know, it takes some time to kind of start to climb out of that, the red, you know, and into the black. And we were just starting to do that. Um, mm. And so we had like a very little extra wiggle room and we basically were like, we have to make this last for an unknown amount of time, um, you know, reschedule or refund almost 200 bookings Um And that's been, you know, we're still digging ourselves out of that hole. Um, And then, you know, just really unsure what the landscape was going to be in terms of travel and tourism. And so um, it was definitely really hard because not only was there the health risk um, that we were concerned about, but there was also our livelihood and, you know, pouring this pouring our hearts and souls into into building this place, you know, for two years um, and just to kind of see forces out of our control really basically be the determining factor of if we were going to survive. Um, so it's a lot of existential dread, you know, and I know we weren't alone. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of people in our community and around the world were feeling the same thing. So yeah, it was, it was definitely a really hard time. Um, and it was in July that we were kind of like looking ahead and we were like, we have to like put our stake in the ground because just kind of like this endless going without knowing what was going to happen. You can't plan for that. And, you know, it doesn't matter how many, like we, we really just wanted to kind of like to the best of our ability, take, put our flag in the sand for a date and then plan for that and just pray to the plants, the universe, you know, that this (laughs) is what, you know, was meant to be. So in July, we stuck our flag in the sand for November 1. We were like, okay, like, you know, this gives us as much time from now as it has been since this started. So we were like thinking, okay, that should be enough time. And then it was this very interesting journey of like trying to plan around constantly changing government policies and travel restrictions and um, border closures and, and all of these things. And I think I must have done like 15 iterations of our travel logistics and policies and all of that. Wow. I'm just trying to plan. And, um, but the, the, the beautiful thing, uh, that I'm really, really grateful for is as we started to get closer, it was like September, October, um, 
Costa Rica was starting to really open up and loosen the restrictions and allow, they were like, okay, we'll allow certain states in from the U.S. You know, we understand tourism is a big part that Costa Rican tourism board was really pushing the government to um, reopen in time for high season because if, if Costa Rica had waited until after high season here, which starts in November, um, they would have gone into a very deep economic crisis. And so it was like within weeks of opening, everything just started to get a lot easier and Costa Rica started loosening these restrictions. And then, you know, we had all of our safety protocol in place. We have everyone get tested right before they come. We have a doctor who checks everyone out. We have a COVID symptoms waiver. We do temperature checks, you know, we have um, contact tracing and all of these things. And so, um, you know, it's been like extra, but I think that um, overall it's actually been going really, really well. Um, so we're on our fifth retreat this week now. And um, yeah, thank, thank goodness, you know, we, we were able to kind of like <laughs> see ourselves through that. Um, it's, you know, we're not out of the woods yet, um, but mm. there's just so much healing work to be done that it just feels so good to be in service again to that because Absolutely. after this year, I mean, it's just, I, my heart's so heavy, you know, just thinking about yeah. all of the extra trauma on top of what was already there yeah. as of 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the amount of healing that, and the amount of connection that we need as a, as a culture, as a species is at an, it was already at an all time high. <laughs> and now after, after this, wow, what a, what an incredible just journey <laughs> that you guys have made it through. And like you said, I'm sure it's not, you're not out of the woods yet. Uh, but yeah, give it up to spirit having to just pray. Did you have a did you have a routine praying schedule? <laughs> it was like every day, right? Like that's <laughs> honestly the only thing that kept me going. It's like we, and then we ran out of a yeah. poncho halfway through quarantine. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> You're like, wow. <laughs> when we got a delivery like a, a few weeks ago, it was like, oh, actually we're going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. But no, I mean, it's, it's definitely, it's crazy to see the, the disconnection that mm. I think I really feel like this whole pandemic and, uh, you know, I've talked to other people who feel similarly. It's like, yes, now we are physically isolating ourselves from each other, but is that maybe just an external manifestation of what we've been doing mm. for so long? And is this really just kind of manifesting in this in a deeper way and showing it to us with this like stark mirror that we can't escape from how disconnected we've been from each other, from the earth, from ourselves. Right. Mm. I mean, that's to me, this whole year is just one big ceremony. Yeah. I've been, I've been saying that it's like, we're going through a collective medicine journey, a, co a collective deep shadow work. Like we, and, and just like you said, you know, it's, it's probably a lot of the, um, there's not a lot of new things going on. It's a lot of the old stuff that have now manifested to now they're like, bam, in our face. And we have to look at it because, yeah. because it's, it's manifested externally. Yeah. I mean, you look at like these systems that, you know, we just assumed a lot of us just assumed that they were in place. They were functioning, excuse me, as they were intended to function. 
But actually that hasn't been the case. And that hasn't been the case for so many people for so long. And now that system seems to be breaking entirely enough for everyone to finally see and get on board with. And, you know, I think it's really, I think it's really important that all of these other movements are coming to light and coming out too. Um, the Black Lives Matter movement and the plant medicine, you know, movement and like the whole, like the holistic spiritual movement and, you know, really understanding what are the inequalities, what are the gaps within this, these systems that, you know, haven't been serving so many people for so long. And now they're just being like completely magnified by, you know, in, in every possible way. Um, and so, yeah, I totally agree with you. I hope that, I hope that we learn from this. I hope that, you know, real change um, comes out of it because it has to. <laughs> we don't have a choice at this point. We don't have a choice. We are looking at the depth of our shadow and it's either at a breaking point or we, we get stronger and we grow, mm-hmm. we grow through this. And so I'm, you know, I'm, cu- I'm really curious, like, have you seen a difference within um, what Aya has been really saying to people previous to COVID versus now, like within these past, you know, you I know you've done five retreats, like have people, has the message changed at all? Or is it the same? I mean, I know everyone has a different um, internal experience, but like, have you saw any level of intensity shift? Certainly, I think that, you know, people are working through a lot more as a result of this year. Um, Yeah, it's definitely a very individual process. And I think that one thing that I found really interesting um, is talking to the healers, actually, about what they feel is going on with this this whole thing. and um, Maestro Sui, one of the healers that we work with, um, we actually did an interview with him at kind of at the start of this. And he said that he was seeing back in um, like around the turn of the year, around the new year, he was seeing like this, this big cloud descend on the, on the world. And that <laughs> it was a sickness of the air and and you know it's mm. we can't breathe like we're we're not breathing right um our air is polluted our air is not healthy and you know we're not and and when we have you know part of the the um Shipibo way of of looking at healing um is is our connection to and i mean you're a breath worker right i mean this connection to our breath and and when we have what they call sustas which is um when uh, it's like essentially trauma. Um, and it's when a piece of your soul like leaves dis- disconnects right from your body. Um, a lot of the healing work they do is around calling those pieces back in. But one of the signs that Asusta has taken place is that, um, someone's breathing isn't right. And so, you know, he was really drawing this connection to like this kind of collective breathing. And then, you know, you look at, like the Amazon burning, right? Like the lungs of the earth just being like decimated from just logging and burning and, you know, 
politics <laughs> and um and then and then this came and it's like this is a respiratory illness it, it's just it's a very yeah. you know it's it is a very um like there's a lot of energetic connection um, mm-hmm. that the healers see to to what's going and, on and then you have a black man being strangled yelling i can't breathe I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. Like if we don't mm-hmm. see what's going on, like, I don't know how, like how much more suffering has to happen, you know, before we do. Um, but, but I, I do think people are, are starting to um, wake up to kind of, you know, the, the, the gaps that within ourselves, you know, and, and collectively. Yeah. It's been the busiest year of my life you know, um, and, and I've seen the most growth during these times, Mm. you know, before, before the pandemic, I was working, um, for myself and, and at a, uh, uh, destination resort doing healing work for a bigger company and they ended up closing down. And I was like, this is my chance. I need to go all in on myself and, and really step into offering my services on a bigger platform and working with groups and, and doing breath work with groups of people. And the amount of healing that I've seen within this, you know, since March has just been exponential and people are really, really, and I've switched from doing body work to mostly breath work to really figuring out where oh, people's. No, I'm so sorry. I, I just lost your audio. Did we lose you for a second? Hold on. Sorry. I can't hear you. Just... Are you there? Oh, there it is. Yes. You're yeah, back. Yeah, we got you. We got okay. you. Cool. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're no, saying, <laughs> sorry. No problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I've switched more into this breathwork space. You know, I, my interests have been in plant medicine for a long time, and that has absolutely helped me along my healing journey and helped me heal a ton of trauma as well. But um, that being a form of medicine, and just to hear you say that, you know, the Shipibo people use that as a gauge to see how, you know, which people are working through specific traumas is just like, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's mind blowing how much you can tell um, with people not being able to fully expand and, and actually breathe through their, their body. You know, I'm just, I'm, my mind is consistently blown. Yeah. I mean, talk about like, spirit right like like our Mm -hmm. i've i've definitely felt and um this is a yoga teacher that i really love um on youtube yoga with adrian highly recommend her um she says she has this one um, video which in which she says contemplate the idea that your breath is your spirit um because what happens when you stop breathing and like if this idea is that your breath is your spirit, um, then, then, you know, what does that actually mean when you're, what would you want to do with it? Like, how do you want your spirit to be? Do you want your spirit to be expansive, you know, or do you want to mm. constrict your spirit? Do you want to hold back your spirit? Like kind of treating it like that. And that kind of shifted it for me, like really respecting the breath because it's life in every sense of the word, really. <laughs> Absolutely. To inspire is to take in breath or to take in the spirit. 
<laughs> to have in, to have inspiration is to open up to wow. spirit flowing through you and coming out of you. Look at that! Um, I know. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> uh, so I'm curious: Have you had any recent journeys or recent ceremonies with Aya? Yeah, I have actually. Um, I had a really strong one. Um, a couple, like maybe a week and a half ago that I've, I wanted to connect more with my feminine um, because I feel like, you know, with a lot of the aspects of like running a business, even though the business is plant medicine, it's like the mechanics of running the business are very like masculine oriented. That's kind of my background is science and engineering and I have a very logical mind. And so I just like, I've always leaned into that more and I've always felt a little bit like my my emotions um, when they do want to come out they come out a little bit chaotically um, as if they were like trying to burst forth but I wasn't letting them so then they have to like explode when they do come yeah. out really make themselves known right yeah. and so I I was asking the medicine, how I could be more centered in my feminine, because I feel like that's what's being called forth from me. And, you know, I think that's really what the medicine also calls for sometimes. I mean, we're very careful not to say like mother ayahuasca. Um, I know that is how, I, how that medicine, how this medicine comes to a lot of people, myself included actually, but um, the Shipibo, it, it has masculine and feminine parts to it and it can show up for people, you know, in different ways. So we don't necessarily categorize it um, as mother ayahuasca, but for me, it has a very feminine teaching quality to it mm -hmm. anyway. So do you want to hear this vision I had about? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So, so I, there was this, this fear um, that was above me in this vision and it was like half masculine, half feminine forming the whole, right? And then all of a sudden something hit it or the feminine side of it just like fell off, like cracked off and started to fall. And I had this like instinct at first to just like grab it and bring it back and make it whole again and like make it bring it back mm -hmm. up. And for some reason I did it. I was like, you know what, let me just follow it actually. Like, where's it going? So I follow it and it falls down through the sky, down through the trees, lands in a swamp keeps going down like through. So I'm like swimming through the muck after it, or I'm like watching it kind of sink farther and farther down. And then it goes into the earth and then it starts to grow roots. And it's like the feminine is rooted. Like it's in the earth. It is in the muck. And like, this is the way that, that I can find my center in the feminine because it's not all, chaos it's rooted in the earth and like we have to go down into there into the depths into the muck even when it makes us uncomfortable like working through these uncomfortable emotions um and like honoring them because that's how we can then like we get those roots and then that's how we can grow you know tall again and so it was a very like I'm just like amazed sometimes at the way the medicine like tells me stories, <laughs> you know, never would have thought of this on my own, mm. but um, just like really 
kind of surrendering and like, okay, let's go down. Like, let's see what's down there. Mm. And it's mucky and it's not like, it doesn't feel clean and it's uncomfortable and dark. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, that's where, it's where all the best things grow from. Right. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. It's interesting because, um, a lot of the feminine aspects are, are, are further down, are further down into the body, like some of the emotional realms and some of the like physical expression and getting into your body and movement and, and feeling instead of the mind, which is, you know, rational, logical, um, you know, trying to categorize things and, and trying to look at it, um, from a logical perspective. And just like you were saying, um, you would have your, you know, you had your feminine aspects there, but it would, it would actually be like almost having to be processed through the filter of your very logical and rational and business oriented mind first before then the, the feminine was actually allowed to express itself, which it doesn't have to make any sense. You know, it doesn't like the feminine doesn't need to make any sense. It just wants to be felt. It wants to be expressed. It wants to be moved. Yeah. Like it, it serves its own unique purpose that is more, intuitive based but it's also to me it also feels like it's more expansive like Mm. like the the feminine and and i'm just kind of like processing all of this now still you know but like absolutely it it feels like the spaciousness like the container through which action can be taken right and can and like direction can be um had but like to have to create anything you first need like the space to create it. And, you know, within the dynamics of just as an example, for me, like managing my team, um, you know, we're doing some restructuring, we're bringing in some new people. um, Some other people are transitioning out and, you know, with change and with getting restarted, it's essentially like restarting a business, like a business basically from scratch in terms of operations. But, um, you know, but not, not with the brand, but like really just like, okay, this is like, what does Soltara 2.0 look like? Right. Like how are we really going to take what we need to take in terms of the lessons that we learned um, from COVID and like understanding like the way that we need to move forward as a company, as active participants in this movement, you know, as um, responsible stewards of medicine, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And then how does that like trickle down into the team Um, but like when big changes happen, it's hard and there's a lot of emotions that come with that. And, you know, as someone who is in a position where, you know, I'm managing people and I'm also very empathetic and I have a big heart and I, you know, really care about everybody's well-being. Um, but it has to be balanced with, you know, being centered about, that emotional space and being able to navigate. So where, where does the feminine and masculine join when, you know, emotions are high and things are difficult and busy and stressful um, where I'm not taking on everyone's emotions and then sort of like acting from this place of like, I need to fix everything for everyone, you know, like, but, but actually like being able to like hold this space and like honor those emotions um, and act from kind of like more of a, a bird's eye view while still supporting 
you know, and, and seeing and hearing and understanding, um, you know, everyone's different perspectives as well. So yeah, it's, it's definitely like a, they both serve their purpose. Right. And, um, and I think, yeah, I was kind of trying to filter one through the other and it was like, uh, -uh. <laughs> no, mm. <laughs> Yeah, you absolutely have to be on top of both of those being in, in that position, you know, being able to hold space emotionally for people and, and to really be em empathetic in, in what they're going through, but then also have to make, you know, these very rational, logical decisions as a business. And yeah. And, you know, ultimately we are a people centered business and this is heart mm -hmm. work. Like this is heart medicine. This is heart work. And so, um, I think that really does call forth um, an, a more feminine way of leading. And, mm -hmm. um, and I think that if that actually can, can trickle beyond this type of work, you mm. know, into other spheres, um, I think that that could really do some good for people, you know, to really, I, I think so much, so many times, you know, it's like when we don't express our emotions in a healthy way, we end up expressing them in an unhealthy way. So, and I mean, you're a body worker, right? It's like, absolutely. Our issues live in our tissues. Like, 100%. They, yeah. there, right? they will stay there until they're ready to come out or, or maybe, <laughs> or until they're ready to manifest into a disease. And right. hopefully it's, it's uh, it, it, we don't get to that. Hopefully we don't get to that place. Um, so yeah, I want to, I want to start to delve into, um, there's a couple of routes I want to take this, but I want, I want to delve into some of the, um, like the prep that people do to come to Sultara, um, and kind of some of the integration techniques, because like from what I've been seeing, just from holding, um, breathwork ceremonies, and it being, you know, a very medicine space, mm -hmm. really where the where the deep medicine and the change comes from is integrating um, what what people have learned and how does this change you as a person? How does it change how you walk in a day to day basis? And as I'm saying this, it's even coming up is like we're in a collective medicine journey right now as a culture. Like, what are we going to do to integrate? and to make specific changes. So we don't have to tackle that per se, but if we could just go uh, maybe into some of the, the, the pre and post um, stuff with Soltara or that you guys have been using. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. I think that, you know, so much the healing work is a lifelong journey, right? And mm -hmm. the healing we, we like to frame the, the healing process as something that expands beyond the retreat itself. It's not just like you come for the week and then mm -hmm. you have your healing process and then you go home and you're healed. Like it's, it starts actually when you, with, with ayahuasca specifically, like it starts when you, when you decide that you are going to do it, that you make that commitment. Um, and what we find and what we tell people, and this happened with me too, as soon as I really decided that I wanted to work with this medicine, it was like this medicine started working on me, like before I even drank it for the first time mm. and, you know, orienting people to this idea that you're opening a relationship with this plant, um, 
is can be really effective at starting to uncover some of the deeper layers of the work that you might get into um, when you are actually working working with it on retreat with us. And so um, we have we send people information basically about preparing in a holistic manner. So you know, of course, there's dietary restrictions, um, and when you kind of start to remove and dietary also means like no, like high adrenaline inducing activities. Like you want your system to be prepared to receive the medicine in the best way possible. And so, you know, that can mean energetically too, you know, coming to the medicine energetically clean, not working necessarily with other plant medicines for um, a period of time, you know, before your retreat. Um, and then like also cleaning out, um, different types of foods that the people healers we work with recommend. So like pork, red meat, um, fermented foods, overly spicy foods, um, things that can kind of have denser energy. And, and the purpose of this is not to be, not to deprive yourself, but really just to help prepare your body to receive the medicine. Because if you, if you are kind of eating a lot of dense, heavy foods, um, and or like highly processed foods or lots of salt, lots of sugar, um, you know, the medicine will have to do some more physical cleaning before it can really get to the root of what you're there for. So it's, it's to help people get the most out of their experience um, so that you're not kind of going through this whole arduous physical purging process before you can really get to get to the, the foundation of, of what you're trying to work on. So, so we kind of try and frame it like that. Um, and, and then there's also, you know, spiritual preparation that you can do, mental and emotional preparation that you can do. We work with a therapist who um, is really amazing at helping people to address anxieties and um, set intentions, get clear on, you know, what it is you're looking for, um, and just really lay that foundation for what you'll do when you're on retreat. Um, and, you know, we, we, we also try to orient people to this process of surrendering to the medicine, surrendering to the process, trusting that you are, that, that the things that may come up or the experiences that you may have, even if they're challenging, usually, especially if they're challenging are for your highest good. And so if you can trust that, then you can have this, you can have intentions without having expectations. And so, you know, what I mean by that is you can have an idea of, it's like having a compass versus a map. It's like you have your North yeah. Star, but you're not, you don't necessarily know how you're going to get there. You haven't, you know, expectations are trying to control how that outcome happens. And like the most beautiful thing about this medicine is that, you know, we, we totally, so many times it's like, I've gotten exactly what I needed in a way that I never would have even dreamed of. I couldn't have even imagined it. You know, there's no way I could have expected that. Yeah. Such and, a metaphor for life. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's really good. This is, it's basically just yeah. like life condensed at high speed. Like that's, mm. and that's what this, I mean, just to briefly refer back, that's what this year feels like. It's like 10 years of like intensive work squeezed into like one year. Mm. And so, yeah, so that's the process. Right. And so, so kind of orienting people to these things um, and really encouraging people to hold compassionate space for themselves because 
when people get closer and closer to the retreat, as they start to peel away these um, things that they might have been using to cover up some of the work, whether that's substances or, you know, consuming excessive media or, you know, food or, you know, mm. these different things, they start to take that away. All of a sudden, the things that they were covering up are starting to come out, right? And that can be really intense. And it can be scary for people. And then like, you know, people can start to wonder like, Oh no, like, is this like bad? Am I now not ready? And it's like, we encourage people to really just try and take the observer role and be like, this is the process. Like you're in it already, you know, it's happening Mm -hmm. and, and that's a good thing. It's a good thing that this is happening. How can we like help you to hold that compassionate space for yourself? Um, so that's kind of like a little bit of like our philosophy in terms of preparation um, and then sort of offering people um, therapeutic support and informational support and then like dietary guidelines. Um, and then we also have like an online community as well. Um, and then integration is this other piece of it. Right. And so we actually start talking about integration pretty close to the beginning of the retreat. Um, when people arrive, we wrote a book called the hero's journal um, we collaborated with clinical mm-hmm. psychologists and it is essentially, it follows a psychological treatment framework, but it's adapted to the ayahuasca experience, but it's meant to be fun. Like we looked at other like integration workbooks and you're like, okay, like you have some like prompts and <laughs> like, it's, it feels like homework. Right. And yeah, so we really tried to, um, make it really accessible. There's art in it. There's quotes, there's, um, like drawings and different, different, like self inquiry things. And then just like solid information too. Um, and sort of like a build your own integration plan. So different tools and techniques that we find helpful, but really meant to be self-guided and self-empowering and, um, help you to hold yourself accountable, um, and start orienting yourself to, you know, how it's going to be like when you go home, Um, How can you basically set yourself up for success? What are your support systems? You know, what are your needs? What are your boundaries? How do you want to or not want to talk about your experience? How do you practice discernment about who you share your sacred moments with? How do you protect your emotional safety? How do you reconnect to the emotions and feelings um, and lessons and insights from the retreat itself? Um, How do you, you know, hold yourself accountable? Like, do you want to have an accountability buddy like someone else on the retreat that, you know, you, we, um, we want to just really offer a lot of different, you know, there's like a habit tracker in there too, which is something that I, I personally found amazingly helpful. Um, just, you know, just like little things that people can, can use or not use basically. But so we have that book, we have workshops throughout that kind of refer to different aspects of the book. And then for three months after, we follow up with people um, with emails and resources that kind of track your integration journey. And of course, it's different for everyone. But for example, like two weeks out is when um, you can kind of start to release some of the post-retreat dietary restrictions. So you can kind of start to go back Mm -hmm. to normal food afterwards. So like, what does nutrition look like for you? And how do you check in with your body about, you know, what feels good? And, you know, there isn't a one size fits all thing for nutrition, you know, it's like, how Mm -hmm. do you really honor your body in this? Um, So kind of things like that, or like, you know, what does your relationship with technology look like? And, you know, different kind of challenges and things like that. 
We have an online community. We have individual sessions with a therapist. Um, we also have group virtual sessions with a therapist once a month um, that's included. So people can kind of reconnect to others who have been through Soltara. And, um, and then we have each group has kind of like a WhatsApp group as well that they can stay connected to the people from their group. So, um, yeah, you know, we're constantly expanding. We have like lots of resources that we like to share. but um, So really- many, so many resources. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a lifelong process. So you know, we're just in, interested in helping people find what works for them, basically. Yeah, because it's such a it's such an old, you know. And I actually have not done I yet. I've participated in lots of different other plant medicines and and DMT and <laughs> and what'd you say? Get your ass I know, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Um, but when I think, when I think about ayahuasca, um, it feels like a very ancient medicine to me and a very old, um, medicine of the earth. And I don't know if you feel the same way about that, but it feels like, okay, um, we're living in a very modern world. So I'm just, I'm curious about like how people are integrating back into their day-to-day life and their jobs. And like, you go have this otherworldly experience and have all these realizations and um, maybe it tells you, you want to, you know, quit your job and go live sustainable regenerative farming or, or, or whatever it is, or maybe, you know, whatever changes come through. I'm just, I'm interested in like how this very old medicine is, is working through the world in a very modern way now, mm-hmm. if you could yeah. speak to that at all. Yeah, no, it's a great question. So we do tell people not to make any major life decisions for at least one month after their regime, because you do <laughs> often find uh, that people are like, yeah. okay, I need to like, Leave. I need to get a divorce. Right. I need yeah. to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like give it some time to settle, right? Like that's yeah, yeah. If, if you feel it in a month, then then maybe you know. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, no, it's it's definitely um, to me. It feels like a reconnection to our own roots, um, and I think that something that's really so like our our generation you're a millennial right kind of i don't even know what 91 91 yeah yeah, yeah, okay so exactly so millennial um is kind of like the first generation um that that or the last generation that remembers life without the internet basically oh yeah right and so like our coming of age is like pre-internet um, and no one after us is going to have that privilege. <laughs> and I do, I do see it as a privilege. I know. I it's do. crazy out there. Right. Um, and so, you know, to me, it's like, there's a lot of, of like modernity to contend with. And because, because we grew up pre-internet, but like, we also saw how the internet kind of came in and, and took over and started to like, it's this really interesting cognitive dissonance where, where it's like, we're now 
more connected and also more disconnected than ever. Like we, you know, virtually speaking, we can connect with everyone in the world. And yet it's like, that usually means that we're like disconnected from the people right in front of us. And like this extra, having this extra mask, you know, through social media or online, you know, whatever that also further serves to like separate us. And so for our generation, I feel like we feel this cognitive dissonance and this disconnection. And we're like, wait a minute. Like for me, my parents like grew up, they're baby boomers and they grew up in like the generation of, you know, you go to school, you go to college, you get a good job, you get a family, you get a house with a white picket fence and you're happy. And like, that's your meaning in life. And you are so goddamn lucky to have that privilege because their parents lived through the great depression. Right. And so it that to that to them was like happiness and fulfillment and it worked. And so then they passed that down to us. And for us, I think now in this world where so many different ways of living are possible now as a result of the internet and other technological advances, um, all of a sudden, like being a cog in a wheel and, you know, having a house with a white picket fence is like not, providing the same amount of connection and meaning and fulfillment and happiness in life. And, you know, now we're going to university and then we're like in debt for the rest of our lives as a result. And then we have to be a cog in the wheel and trapped by this. And, you know, like, I just, I feel like this is a lot of what our generation has experienced. And because of this, like, hold on, they told me I'd be happy if I did this. And I'm definitely like, I'm like, I'm so no. Soul crushing debt, like depression, anxiety, like, you know, lack of <laughs> like, you know, none of those things were fulfilling me. And that was literally what drove me to plant medicine because I was like, I need a change. This is like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be feeling, but I don't think it's this. I don't feel like I'm fulfilling my purpose in life. And so, you know, I'm saying all that because I, I feel like for me and for a lot of people reconnecting to ourselves and nature and you know something that that reminds us that there's more that we're in service Mm. to something greater there is a larger pattern you know and i'm not saying everyone feels this but it does seem to be somewhat of a theme um people who who work with this and other psychedelics and you know seeing how you are like the colorful unique thread in the larger tapestry and how that can be something totally unique and beautiful. And you don't have to like try and be a color thread that you're not um, is like so freeing and so fulfilling and so meaningful. And so to me, I feel like that's why people are turning to psychedelics and plant medicine um, in this kind of like modern age where we've just become like so disconnected from ourselves and, and the things greater than ourselves. Like, you know, our society is very individualistic and medicine like really, really helps orient people. You do have to heal yourself first, you know, that you do have to like, like understand and connect to that. And that's just the first step. Like to, to me, that's like, yes, that's important. And it's not all of it. Like, that's not the end of it. It's like, Mm -hmm. then we have to, you know, look outward and say like, okay, how can I like serve others too? And, and help the, the fabric of the whole. Right. And, and, and that's not used, that's not looked at very much in our modern society. Yeah. So, Ooh, so beautifully said <laughs> it's a, uh, it's, it's a deep remembering 
Yes. It's a deep, it's a deep remembering that, um, that white picket fence and that cog in a system is not what is not what life is about. And to remember the instrument, but like, you know, not everyone, you know, I'm not, I'm not dissing the white picket fence, but I, I think that we just need to know, we just need to actively choose it. That's the thing. Yeah, exactly. It's not for everyone in that uh, societal idea does not need to be pressed onto everyone exactly. from um, the age of birth. But yeah, I always, you know, when working with plant medicines or going on a deep journey, it's always like a deep remembering of self on a soul level. Like what, and I always, I always picture it as like, um, like I'm an instrument, you know, my body is an instrument and I'm, I'm an expression vessel. And I'm just like, I'm singing my, I'm singing my song out in the world, you know? And like my (laughs) song is, is in tune with, uh, the rest of the, the bird song outside and, and, uh, you know, the, the coyote that howled last night or, or, um, you know, and, and how do we attune our instrument instrument to the, the scale of the grand symphony of life that's mm-hmm. happening on a grand scale. It's funny too, because the healers, the Shkiva healers believe that the main conduit of healing work done is the song is the Icaros, the healing songs Mm. that they sing. And so I love that because like for them, um, that's how the plants communicate too, is through themselves as an instrument through song that, that they're literally channeling the voices of the plant spirits. Oh Oh my God. (laughs) That's making me think of that. Uh, that guy who puts on, I don't even know what it is, but he puts on like a little frequency machine on a plant and he'll play like the soundtrack of, of whatever vibration is coming from each plant. I wonder if you could measure that to, um, the Icaros of, you know, the Shapivo people or (laughs) if I'm, if I'm going too far out, you know, I don't know. I just, it just brought to mind this, this kind of cool tidbit, um, that, so there was a guest that came through. Okay. I'm going to fuck up the technicalities of the, how she described fuck it. it up. Go okay. ahead. Okay. So, but she was, uh, she was a very interested in the Icaros, very interested in like understanding the, them as a song and kind of analyzing them, breaking down. And she was interested in like healing frequencies and all of this. And anyway, she told me later on that she did an analysis of the Icaros and the way that they are sung is in this sort of like, it's like the musical version of like a, it's like a pentameter. I can't remember the name, but it's pentatonic, pentatonic, pentatonic scale. So yes. So it's basically like that, is they're sung in a pentatonic scale, which means that multiple healers can sing and they'll never be out of tune with each other was what she told me. And, and it's, it struck me as like so true because you hear these like otherworldly songs and then you hear like, you know, we, we work with two healers. I've been in ceremonies with multiple healers and they're all singing. And, but it's like, it doesn't ever sound out of tune from each other. They're all just like Mm. this chorus of song. So it's just, it's really interesting because there's, I definitely feel like there's something to that, you know, something to the way that energy is transmitted Mm. um, through the Icaros that, that has to do with that. Yeah. They are all their own instrument playing in the orchestra of whatever medicine needs to come through at that, at that moment. 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you got crickets in the uh, background, and it's just like, all right. I once had a cricket was like a had sunglasses and was like a DJ in the background of all the <laughs> That's amazing. So, what are some of the like the craziest things that you have seen yourself in an ay- ayahuasca journey, or from other people, like? anything that other people have said to you or, or spontaneous healings or alien encounters, or I don't know. I just want some juice. (laughs) (laughs) I can dig up for you. Um, Well, I mean, I think that one of the, the coolest aspects of this work is, and this is kind of what I'm, um, putting together in um, in this book I'm writing, which is about how when we get to the emotional roots of a physical issue, that mm. the physical healing takes place. And so, one hundred percent, right? And you know this. I mean, your your mm-hmm. body work. It's it's coming to light more and more. But like since I started, like since I started um, working at the center in Peru. You know, there was a lot of books about how, of course, ayahuasca could help with mental healing and um, spiritual and emotional healing. But like there wasn't much that was connecting the the way that it was actually healing people with um, like Crohn's disease, diabetes, type two diabetes, um, shoulder injuries like this. This one artist. Wow. I'm going to, he's going to be in my book. He's a dear friend and he had a severe uh, shoulder injury from an accident and he was a painter and it was his painting hand and it basically atrophied um, over a long period of time and was kind of like, you know, misaligned and, and, and a little bit atrophied. And he, you know, came to the medicine to um, really, really wants to heal at least mentally from this, just kind of mentally accept that this was kind of what had happened and work through that. And the first ceremony that he had, and he gave me permission to share this with my book. So I I assume it's okay to share this here. Um, But the first ceremony that he had, he ended up seeing um, his whole arm covered in diamonds and he, it was, it was a much longer journey, but essentially ended up like looking in, like in the corner of his shoulder and seeing this like little tiny gremlin creature, just like living there in there. And he was just like looking at it and he was like pulling it out and trying to like pull it out and like send it to the light. And the next day after that first ceremony, just one ceremony, his range of motion was like 50% more. And like wow. the entire week, like it just got more. He was like, I haven't made this much progress in like eight months. <laughs> and all of a oh sudden now, now he's, he's totally healed. And so it's just like these stories where, or like someone who had lupus and saw red um, in her vision, there was always this like red dot in all of her visions. And then she finally was able to like work through a significant amount of anger um, towards, towards her mother, towards a family member. And um, and then her like lupus symptoms started going away and the red dot in her vision started going away. So, you know, just like these crazy things where people, mm. you know, it's like such a, a beautiful, like mirror representation of who, the fabric of who we are, you know, and to be able to like see that mm-hmm. and then like, be able to actually work with it from this new perspective um, and then have physical healing take place as a result of that. I and mean, yeah. that's mind blowing to me. 
Yeah, it's really showing you firsthand how deeply interwoven our mind, etheric, energetic body is deeply woven into how our physical body is expressing itself. Ah, I mean, seriously, your podcast, right? Like my body is so important to the world right now. really feel that it's it's so important it's so important and we can't bypass one or the other right we need to be taking and to take care of ourselves physically we have to be taking care of the planet you know the the soil the water the air quality and we have to be able to take care of ourselves emotionally and 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 spiritually and really be deeply connected to the to the animating force that runs itself through this planet and absolutely and uh we can't we can't do one or the other it really has to be both yeah. And and it and it will be both because they are absolutely connected and and in in my journey I have really taken um the body centered approach and really learning physical anatomy, you know, personal training, physical therapy, um kinesiology, all of that and that has led me into trying to fix my own posture in my back and and feeling this blockage in my solar plexus and understanding it it was from childhood trauma where people significantly put out my fire and my identity and, and my safety. And, and when I address both of them, then my physical body is starting to open up and it's just, it's, it's so important this work. And I'm, I'm so thankful for um, you being a steward of this, this medicine and, and uh, yeah, thank you for all that you do, Melissa. Thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, it, I feel like I've been recruited by the plants and yeah. I'm so grateful to them for <laughs> being like, mm, go this way. <laughs> you've been a, you've been a vessel. <laughs> yeah. Mm. No, it's definitely they, grateful. <laughs> yeah. They have, they have an agenda and, Something that, you know, we can, we can wrap it up here soon. Um, but something that's been interesting that I've, and maybe we already kind of covered this, but, um, like I've been thinking about the agenda that these different plant medicines have and perhaps the agenda that, uh, like psilocybin or mushrooms have, or these different plant medicines or ayahuasca, you know, it has its own agenda and maybe that is to, heal yourself on the mind and body spectrum. And with the breath work, um, I've really been noticing that it's like, well, the breath has its own agenda as well too, or, or maybe it's just your own spirit. Um, I haven't really quite been able to tie a knot around that thought, but do you feel like ayahuasca has a similar agenda for the world or, or if maybe if it had like a, like a political slogan for the world, (laughs) what, what do you feel like it would be? Hmm. It's funny. I have, I have two different voices in my head right now. Mm -hmm. Um, So and so, you do not have to speak to that if it's not, if it's. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's an interesting question because, um, you know, certainly I think that you can look at it from that perspective and that can be helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that like it's sort of 
coming to light at the right time that we need to see these important lessons and reconnect to ourselves. And, um, you know, that this is like, you know, come on, you, as Dennis McKenna would say, like, come on, you stupid monkeys, like get your shit together. Basically. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> perspective. And I can see that, you know, too. Um, and then I have this other voice in my head, which is one of our, our previous advisors, Dr. Bia Labate, um, who is an anthropologist. She's worked with um, medicine, indigenous communities and, and medicine tribes for uh, many, many years. And, and so she, <laughs> we've had these conversations, right? And she says, you know, that's such a colonial thing, like that we, like ayahuasca has been here way longer than we have. Like, we're just like, that's just like white people trying to like, puts a, a narrative over top of it and like yeah. you know, has been used in all these different contexts and it's not just for healing like you know um in like different indigenous communities it's used for like um to build community or to like locate things or for shamanic warfare like it's got its dark side too it's just mm-hmm. really it really is about like the person you know and how they orient to um that relationship with themselves and with the plant. So, so that's kind of, I don't know. So that's kind of what I would say is just like, I think that yeah. it's important to kind of like look at it from these different perspectives, but that being Absolutely. said, like, it's very timely that psychedelics are coming to light and are um, being like the stigma is being reduced finally, like mm-hmm. finally, <laughs> because, yeah. you know, I, I think it's like, it's too important to be ignored and science does speak for itself when it comes to the mainstream and, uh, and that's, you know, that's coming out now. So I'm, I'm, we're definitely on the tip of a wave in, in terms of like the, the psychedelic Renaissance, right. Which kind of feels like it's, mm. you know, was started for us maybe three years ago <laughs> or a little bit before. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting that since we've made psychedelics illegal or, um, we've absolutely been destroying the planet. So (laughs) (laughs) don't watch David Attenborough's life on this planet, unless you want to feel that incredible despair about just how short of a time period it's taken us for us to like reduce the wilderness of the (sighs) the necessary film. Actually, I highly recommend it, but I um, I already, I already watched it and um, it's been a driving force. Yeah. Um, I mean, to, to, to rewild ourselves. Like that's really yeah. what I feel like we need yeah. to do at least in certain senses. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, I think about it and the whole concept of rewilding, it's like, well, we really, we aren't at a place where we can go back, but like, how do we move forward with these principles that are timely and ancient and symbiotic in its nature? Yeah, and, and I, don't, I don't know if we integrative. Yeah. It's like, and I definitely don't have the answer to that, but yeah, but it's definitely like becoming, I think we were talking about this in our previous conversation, this like binary that just seems to be happening. Like the polarizing forces are just kind of like digging in their heels on either side. And like, it mm-hmm. feels like we're getting like sort of pulled in these directions. And it's like, if you're, you're in this camp, you're in this camp. And, and if you're not, yeah. then you're against us and it's like it's like you know there's like I, it's like i see two ways forward or maybe this is where the paradox collapses and it's like that's how we become whole again but like we need to take a look at the way that we are like 
dividing and polarizing ourselves within and without. And, you know, this type of work is all about holistic, becoming whole again, integrating all parts, like looking at the shadow, looking at the light and realizing like, you don't have to get rid of any of it. Like it's, it's like becoming more than the sum of your parts as a result of bringing it together. Yeah. The science and the spirituality. Mm-hmm. And it's and only it's it's only a matter of time before it's it's proven on both aspects. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and ultimately, mm-hmm. it's like I do believe it's towards the same thing, right? Like it's towards a higher good, and um, coming at it from different angles is good. It's, we're not against each other. Like I don't think science yeah. is against spirituality in any sense of the word. It's yeah. like they're there to be different pass up the mountain you know in my opinion absolutely many ways to the top of the mountain (laughs) uh there's so much more i want to jump into with you i really would like to get into kind of the um the shamanic warfare that sounds incredibly interesting too but maybe we'll save that uh (laughs) i just (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we'll do a part two. And and there's other aspects. I would love to get into the science behind it too, because I know you have a ton of information um, behind that. But uh, yeah, we, we're going to put a, put a wrap on that. Thank you so much, Melissa. Yeah. And uh, so anywhere, I mean, we, you have a book coming out, anything that you want to shout out, any um, where we can find you, how to find Soltara. I mean, it's, I can put all a link in the zone and, uh, in the notes for all of it. Okay, sure. Yeah. I mean, um, my book is got a little bit of a hiatus going, but I hope to have it out some point next year, but I won't promote that too much at the moment. Yeah, um, no worries. And, uh, yeah, soltara.co if anyone's interested or feeling called or wants to know more, um, you can give us a call, shoot us an email, happy to connect and see if it's a good fit and if it resonates. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity. It's been wonderful to reconnect with you. And um, yeah. sounds like we're, we're both, um, you know, doing what we can in these, these crazy mm-hmm. times. <laughs> so Absolutely. I wish you the very best. Yeah. I love you, girl. Thank you so much. I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Yeah. You too, Stephen. Thanks All so right, much. Bye. Bye-bye.